The Productive Woman, Episode 314. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I have been looking forward to sharing with you my conversation with TEDx speaker, MBA, and transformational public speaking trainer and coach, Mary Sheen. You'll find more information about Mary, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 314. This episode is brought to you by Woven. You know, time is the most valuable asset we have, but the tools we have to manage our time don't always work well for us. It's easy to feel out of control with your calendar, and and even then you need often one or two add-ons or plugins to have it do the things you need it to do. Well, Woven was created to build into the calendar all the things you need, syncing among your various devices, scheduling meetings with other people, even analytics, all of these in one place so you can own your schedule and make time for what matters most to you. I love that it allows you to sync all your Google or Microsoft calendars, all those accounts in one place, you can see everything in one place. And especially that you get powerful scheduling tools built in for free with personalized scheduling links, published office hours, even group polls. And that can save you so much time when you're trying to schedule those group calls or Zoom meetings among a group of people. It also gives you the opportunity to rapidly time block your week so you can make sure that you have scheduled out time for what's most important to you. Woven is very easy to set up and get started, and they even offer tutorials online to help you get the most out of this great tool. And you can try Woven today for free by going to woven.com slash podcast slash TPW. Again, that's woven, W-O-V-E-N, woven.com slash podcast slash TPW to try Woven today for free free. And now let's get right into my conversation with Mary Sheen. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Mary Sheen. Mary is a transformational public speaking trainer and coach, and I'm going to be asking her what that means, uh, who has trained over 15,000 people in 30 cities internationally. She's the 2009 world champion of public speaking first runner up. And that was out of 25,000 contestants from 14 countries. She's also the author of the book, present yourself in public speaking. And I love the subtitle, tell your inner critic to shut up and the real you to speak up. Mary also holds a karate black belt rank and plays the ukulele. I have so been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Mary. 
Thank you, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I have been looking forward to talking with you because you have a lot of interesting stuff in your bio and and in your book. So we're going to get into all of that. You know, I kind of gave the the highlights about you from the information that I have. Maybe we could start by you telling us a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think would be good uh, background for us as we have this conversation today. Awesome. Thank you. So as soon as I start speaking, you're probably going to hear that I have an accent for you American listeners. So my accent comes from because I grew up in Australia and your listeners can't see me, but I'm a Chinese background. I was born in Hong Kong. So I look like an Asian person and I sound like an Australian. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where my accent comes from. And I moved to the United States as a grown up. And I now live in Boston. I've actually lived in the United States since 2001. So it's a very, very long time. But they say once you pass the age of 16, your accent isn't going to change. And hence, I have an accent and that's where I'm from. (laughs) So hopefully that'll give you a better background as to why I sound the way I sound. (laughs) Great. How did you get to a place in your life where you became the first runner-up in the World Championship of Public Speaking. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I first started out, my first job out of college, I was a computer science major. So I used to be a computer programming, uh, very, very nervous, very self-conscious. I was somebody who wouldn't speak up in meetings. Like I'd be one of those people that you'd see sitting in a conference room and the conference meeting could have gone for an hour and I may have said one word is that. Mm. So I started out from a place of very, very not naturally open to sharing unless I was asked. I was specifically asked a question because I was that self-conscious. And so when people ask me the similar question, which is, oh, how were you inspired to do what you do now? And I'll say to them, it wasn't so much inspiration, it was desperation. Mm. (laughs) So really... That's where I started and I realized at some point that if I'm going to progress in my career, I'm going to need to learn how to speak up and how to speak well and how to articulate my thoughts. And so that's where it really began. So I started working on the skill of speaking and speaking up and I would read books and and it wasn't until I really dedicated and committed my energy and time and focus on really acquiring the skill that I started on that trajectory of being able to speak up more and more and more and challenging myself to really be the best that I can be. And for me, that's about going outside my comfort zone. And what a bigger comfort zone than to enter speech contests, Mm -hmm. right? Something that's completely outside my comfort zone. But slowly but surely, I started getting better and I started learning from mentors who are very good at what they do in speaking. I started learning from these mentors who had won this contest, this worldwide contest called the World Championship of Public Speaking, which I'd never heard of, by the way, and I'm pretty sure your listeners probably hadn't heard of, but lo and behold, there is this contest, and every year there's between 25,000 and 35,000 contestants from 14 countries around the world who enter this contest. So I challenged myself to do that nine-month process, and it's elimination round, so if you lose, you just get knocked out. It took me four years to get to the world championship stage, but I did. And to me, that was a a way that I could really live into what is possible for me. 
And then now reverse engineering my own process, teaching back out those skills and the psychology behind the skill set that I acquired to do what I'm doing now so that other people who are struggling with speaking and who are struggling with self-confidence can then benefit from the processes that I, I now teach so that they can shortcut their own process to becoming the best version of themselves. Yeah, I love that. And that was so much part of why I wanted to talk with you because, you know, people in general, but I don't think it's wrong to say women in particular struggle sometimes with that, uh, whether it's a, self-consciousness or whatever, that fear of speaking in public or speaking up in public, whether it's on a platform or in a meeting or, you know, in politics or anything else. And so uh, we're going to get into that. I've got, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit for the benefit of the community about how we can do that better. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about how you do what you do in the sense of you know, meaningful productivity as you define it. And so we're going to talk about some of the nitty gritty of the systems and tools you use. But before we do that, I think it's helpful to have some context for what tools and techniques you use to be productive. And for that context, I would ask if there is such a thing as a typical day for you, what might that look like? Great question. So a typical day for me is I frame it around a routine that I do. So to me, productivity, and I love that you this is a great topic that you um, share with your audience about productivity. To me, productivity and meaningful productivity is not just about getting more done. That's a part of it. The mechanics is always going to be a part of the tools and the logistics of how to get something more things done is one element of it. To me, it's more about management of your own energy, mm -hmm. so energy management towards what is meaningful, most meaningful to you. And so, of course, we need to figure out what is meaningful to us, right? So for me, because I run my own business, I've, I've been doing it for about five years now, full-time. I've been doing it part-time for many years. The first thing I noticed when I went into my own business was you can structure the day however you want. There are no rules, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And so the question then became, what what is the best way of doing that for me, okay? So for me, what I discovered was I have to have some kind of a routine for me to um, set my energy correctly first right off the bat, okay? So as you say, there's really no typical day, but if there was one, because I run a lot of events and I run multi-day events and things like this for my public speaking business, but in between the events, I do have a system of typical day that I set up. So when I first wake up, I'll wash my face, I'll brush my teeth, I'll have breakfast, I wake my son up, I have a six-year-old son, <laughs> and I wake him up, serve him breakfast, and then what I'll do is I'll send him off to uh, the care place. And then I will spend the next couple of hours on me, setting up my energy correctly. So what I do is I'll go for a long walk or I'll go for a run. The pre-COVID days, I would go to the gym, right? Of course, gyms are closed right now. Yeah. So I'll typically spend about an hour on that, on the physical activity of um, getting my heart rate up. And because physical fitness is a huge part, as you probably know, and all of your listeners probably know, is a huge part of setting your energy correctly is the physical component. Mm -hmm. So making sure that I'm uh, taking care of my body in the, in the movement and having my heart rate going up, that's part of it, one hour. I come back to the house and I do stretches, 
and making sure that I'm flexible and do strength training on using my own body weight, such as push-ups and things like this. And then this is the, one of the most important parts of my day is I will do 30 minutes of meditation. Wow. Meditation means a lot of things to many people. To me, it's about sitting quietly and then just observing my breath, see and observe my thoughts going places. You know what I mean by thoughts mm-hmm. going places? Yeah. Your thoughts just get one leads to another, leads to another, right? So just being in the presence of that environment of noticing those thoughts coming back to my breath is a 30-minute exercise every morning, mm-hmm. including weekends. And then what I'll do is I'm a huge journaler because as we'll talk about more later, you'll see that that's a huge part of my process is writing things down. Okay, so there's three kinds of journaling I do after my meditation. The first one is gratitude journaling. So I'll write down five things on my journal. I'll write down the date and I'll write down five things that I'm grateful for. It could be simple as, I'm glad caffeine exists. I'm glad, you know, <laughs> these things that are, could be everyday things. Five things, so it doesn't take that long. And then I go to my self-empowerment journal. And you know how, do you remember in school, if you got in trouble and you would write lines like, I will not talk in class. I will not talk in class. <laughs> kind of like that, but writing lines of empowerment. So it will look something like, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I trust my heart. I trust my heart. I trust my heart. I love my life. I love my life. I love my life. And I'll repeat it on the page five or six times so that it sinks in over time unconsciously. And then I'll do my declaration. So I have a list of declarations that I write, self-empowerment statements, such as, I define my life. I am in charge of my own destiny. Things that I'm going to program into my brain long-term that's empowering, okay? So those are the three kinds of journaling I do. And then I have my cup of coffee. And then after all of that, I sit down at my computer. By the time my computer is open and I start my day, it's about 10.30 in the morning. So you can say I don't start my work day till 10.30, but really it starts off by framing it in the correct way for me so that my energy is right, my mind is centered, and I'm ready to tackle the day. And then I go about my day with the things that are on my Google Calendar. And then depending on the day, I will have evening activities that are structured in the way that I want to live my life. So for example, Monday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday mornings, a karate training. Very religious about my karate training, and we can go into that later. Uh, so depending on the day, and of course, days when I run events, it's going to look a little bit different. I might work further into the evening to prepare for the for the next day. And then at the event itself, of course, it's going to be look different. But typically, again, long answer to your question, that is a typical day. <laughs> yeah. And so are you an early riser or about what time of day do you get up in the morning to start this process? Typically, I wake up between six and seven. Mm-hmm. Naturally, I'm a night owl but I have trained myself to go to bed early so that I can rise early and have that energy. Like I said, the most important thing in terms of productivity is your energy, managing your energy. So sleep is is one of those tools that I'm very religious about so that I can wake up and have that energy. When I was in my 20s, in my younger days, I skimped on sleep so that I could fit more in and then recognizing cumulatively in the long run that wasn't working because it would make me crabby and it would make me, you know, cranky. And that's not a quality life. Even though I probably got more things checked off the list, that wasn't the kind of energy that I would like to exhibit during my day because it just eroded the quality of my conversation because I was just cranky. Yeah, that's so true. And 
So many of us as women deprive ourselves of sleep with the idea that I can use that time to get other things done, things that I need to do, things that I want to do. I've certainly found that it's kind of a losing proposition. If I don't get enough sleep, the quality of my work the next day is not going to be as good because the quality of my thinking is not as good. You know, our, our bodies need a certain amount of rest. And if we don't get it in the long run, as you said, it's not going to turn out well for us. I love that you have that kind of routine and you're obviously very thoughtful about it. You've recognized what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And one of the things I love about talking to guests like yourself is hearing different ways of structuring our days because we're all different. We all have, you know, different obligations, commitments in our life, different things we're trying to accomplish. And we're all at different stages of life. And so what works for one person won't work for another. But the more we can hear from each other, we get those ideas of, hey, maybe I could give that a try. A lot of what you do, I also find very valuable. But I don't, you know, we can see each other, the, the listeners, you know, the, the community obviously can't see us, but you probably saw my eyebrows go up a little bit when you mentioned meditating for 30 minutes. I can do 10. How did you get to a stage where you could do that for 30 minutes? And what, what benefit do you find from what, at least to me, is kind of an extended period of meditation? The way I did it and the way I would recommend is to start off small and build up to it. So initially start off with just five minutes, mm -hmm. right? This is what I help my clients do too, is to recommend that. Start off with just five minutes. And all you're going to do during the five minutes is to count your breath, is to be aware of your breath. And then over time, you extend that for another five minutes and then another five minutes and you build up to it mm -hmm. because it's not, I mean, especially in, you know, the Western world where we're like running around like crazy with like headless chooks, you know. So it's, it's hard initially to sit down. But yet that's the exact reason why we need to because it's about centering, right? Yeah. It's about centering your energy. Again, I'm very much about energy. You mentioned in the introduction that I, I do um, karate. I take martial arts, right? One of the first lessons I learn or anyone learns when they go into martial arts is to find your center, so what is that physical center, right? Low to the ground, where is your center so that you don't get pushed um, one way or the other and then fall over, right? So by the same token, there is an uh, energy center as well. So if your thoughts are everywhere and you don't have the training, let's call it the training, that's really what meditation is to me, is training your mind. Because we understand, you know, in, in whatever it is that we do, we need to train the skill set. Mm -hmm. right in the craft of what we're doing so for example you know you do the podcast right there was probably a learning curve for you in order to become good at that and the quality of the sound and all of that stuff the editing all the different components for me when I in public speaking teaching my clients public speaking there, there's processes to go with the craft the tools the expanding your range of tools that you you need in order to be a great speaker but then there's also the training of the mind yeah right? Then there's training of the body as well. And the mind tends to be one of those areas that many of us, me included, that we neglect for, because it's not, uh, a, we weren't taught this in school, 
right? No one, maybe, hopefully, maybe now they're starting to, maybe, but when I was at school, no one taught me how to center my mind, right? And yet the thoughts, the way I would describe it is it's like your body is like the hardware and then your thoughts is like the software mm-hmm. and then the results that you have in your life are like the printout. So it all starts off with the software, okay? Yeah. So you need to be able to train. So no matter how difficult it is, I would say, and, you know, some people say, oh, Mary, I've done this for a week and I'm not noticing any differences. <laughs> I'm like, great, that means you're on the right track. That means you need to keep going because the result that you're going to experience happens gradually over time, like in those moments where the freak out happens. Do you go straight into the freak out and the anxiety and for a long, 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 long time before you, you can exit it? But if you're well-trained in meditation, you're still going to have those freak-out moments, but you can get back to center so much more quickly mm-hmm. because you have been front-loading the training, the mind training. Yeah. I, I, and I think that is so important. I mean, as you said, in, in the Western world in particular, and I would say in the United States in particular, I can't speak as much to how it is in other countries, but our society is very noisy. You know, we, we are not comfortable with silence. And to me, that's one of the benefits of meditation, even if it's just for the 10 minutes that, that I do it, to have that time to just be quiet and get comfortable with silence and all that goes along with that practice. So I, I think that's really interesting. And you, you've made some good points uh, that we can all think about. Um, as we talk about productivity on this podcast. I mean, it's a, you know, it's called the productive woman and anyone who's listened to more than a couple episodes know that much like what you said, I don't define productivity so much as checking things off a to-do list. That's not what it's about for me. We need to do things. Absolutely. And, and we want to be efficient about doing the things we need to do to make space for the things, the other things that we want to do. And we talk about all those sorts of things on the show, but for me and for what we talk about on this podcast, productivity goes beyond just getting more things done. It goes beyond even making sure we're getting the right things done and into making a life that matters as we define it, figuring out what that means to us first, and then taking the action that needs to be taken in order to achieve that. But in the sense of getting the stuff done that we need and want to do, every person's life is a little bit different, uh, presents different challenges as far as that kind of productivity, getting the things done that matter to them. What would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life, managing, you know, the things that you're doing, getting the things done that are important to you? I think the biggest challenge is recognizing that I can't do everything that I want to do in a time frame that I would like to do it. Mm. Okay. So like many of the people that I work with, my clients share a similar uh, theme, which is they're high achievers. You know, they, they're very intelligent in what they do, very good at what they do, but also would like to have a bigger realm of impact in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why they're attracted to speaking so that they can share these things that they're working on and have more impact. 
And so I think the biggest challenge is to recognize that less is not necessarily worse and that less oftentimes is more. Mm. (laughs) Okay? So it's not so much necessarily about the quantity of the things that we end up doing, but it's the quality that we bring to it and the, the, the presence that we bring into it so that what we do produce is in alignment with who we want to be in this world and who we are at the fundamental core of who we are. Mm-hmm. So the challenge really has been to scale back and then to do less of what's not in, as important and to do more of what's meaningful. And that includes cultivating in an environment where you thrive the most. Mm. And so, you know, when you think about an environment, you know, may, maybe people have a picture of like the, the office and ha- the clutter, which of course is, is necessary to, to have a decluttered place that you can feel, you know, like you're productive. But ultimately it's the, uh, again, going back to the energy, the relationship. Mm-hmm. Who do you surround yourself with? Okay. So for me, I'm a huge advocate of investing in myself and in investing in relationships because investment doesn't just mean dollars. It also means your time and your energy, right? right? And then to then intentionally cultivate a fertile environment where the people around me are uplifting, they're positive, they are go-getters, they are people who are like-minded, like-hearted, like-spirit, who aren't going to bring you down energetically. So, for example, uh, this is one of the most biggest challenges that I've had to do over the past couple of years is to intentionally spend less time, if not cutting out altogether, spending time with people who bring my energy down. Mm. Okay, So these are naysayers, complainers, um, uh, woe is me, uh, without even maybe unintentionally being that way, right? Yeah. And so that process has been the most difficult because as women, and, and I share this with a lot of my the people that I work with and they, they agree, so let's see if your listeners agree, is there's this guilt, right? Oh, but I, but I, you know, I've had this relationship for such a long time and, you know, I don't want to spend time with, I feel guilty and saying no is like kind of feeling guilty. But then realizing I learned this from a psychologist that I, I saw a TEDx talk. I'm a huge fan of TEDx talk. I even gave one myself earlier this year. I forget her name, but she said something that was riveting. And she said, just because women tend to feel guilty and just because you feel guilty, it does not mean you did anything wrong. Mm. Yeah. That to me was a huge eye opener. So that, to answer your question, again, the long answer to your question <laughs> is what I found most challenging is to cultivate intentionally cultivate the people around me as my environment to thrive so that I could, you know, energetically have fertile soil rather than um, letting the negativity drag me down. Yeah. I think that's hard for a lot of us. Letting go of any relationship, even a toxic one can be hard for us because we see it as a personal failure that I couldn't fix this relationship enough to keep it going. And, and of course, that's not true. It's not a personal failure. I think we owe ourselves the courtesy and the kindness of recognizing what relationships are healthy and which ones aren't, which ones, as you, as you put it, energize us and which ones sort of suck the life out of us. 
and <laughs> try to, uh, as much as possible, you know, cultivate those relationships that energize us and where we can, because we can make a better contribution in that kind of relationship than we can in one where we're always sort of fighting to survive emotionally. So that's kind of off the track a little bit of what we're trying to talk about here, but you know, maybe that's relevant to, to someone who's listening. That's, that's struggling to, feel like her life, you know, she's making a life that matters because she's spending so much of her time and energy on certain relationships that aren't healthy for her. So permission to consider that at least. Yeah, I think it's very, very relevant um, in order to have a productive, because like going back to what you were saying earlier, um, productivity is about a meaningful quality life Mm. that matters, right? A lot of the women that I work with, 95% 95% of my clients are women, by the way, also share this the sensitivity of being absorbing other people's energy, right? Mm-hmm. So being empathic, being compassionate, that's kind of like a side effect of being a compassionate person is you get very impacted by other people's energy, right? Yeah. And so really it's about, like I said, surrounding yourself with the people who, who are uh, going to help you lift that energy so that you can bring forth the, those productive um, elements that's going to help you create a life that's meaningful to you. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of, you know, managing your time, your schedule, your, your tasks, all those things, are there any particular tools you like or resources you recommend for doing those things, things that help you sort of keep track of what's important to you and get the things done that, you know, kind of on a day-to-day basis that those things that move you in the direction you want to go? Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm all about leveraging my time. Right? Mm-hmm. As you know, everybody has the equal amount, 24 hours a day. So it's about leveraging your time. So the way I look at it is, where can I leverage my time in terms of my productivity? So for example, there's two areas, right? From a systems perspective, and then from a time management perspective. So from a I try to systematize as much as what I do. Like, for example, I run, like I said, I run a lot of public speaking events, workshops and um, boot camps and and multi-days programs and, and, you know, mentorship programs. So there's a, within that, that the organization of all those programs, there is a lot of logistical communication with the participants. There is a lot of scheduling information. So being able to systematize that and then have, have the, um, notifications and things like that go out automatically. So it's like set and forget is mm-hmm. what I like to say, set and forget without me manually, like I used to manually having to go in and do everything myself. Now that it's, there's a system that takes care of it as an example, right? So I use constant contact There's you know, there's many systems out there that are like that, that allows you to schedule ahead of time, those um, uh, communication messages. The other thing that I've learned over time is to, delegate. Mm. Like probably many of your listeners, I'm someone who likes to pride myself that I am superwoman, you know, I do everything <laughs> myself and <laughs> I'm supermom and you know, I get everything done, right? That takes you so far, but getting to the point where I understand that delegating the biggest challenge for many people, I know for myself was learning to be a good receiver. Mhm. Right, because as women, especially, we like give, give, give. We give, we do, we do, do, do. Give, give, give. But then, when it comes to receiving and then the allowing of the help, mm-hmm. is where I struggled the most with. 
So delegation meaning, you know, different areas around my business. For example, the marketing component and then there's the um, logistics component and even at home, right? Here's a good example. With COVID especially, a lot of people have children at home who are probably driving them nuts, (laughs) right? So, and, you know, that period of time just when COVID hit and nobody knew we had the really serious lockdown, that was a huge struggle for us as, as parents because our child is at home, you know, needing to keep him stimulated and while running our business at yeah. the same time was a huge struggle. And now that things are starting to loosen up a bit in terms of, you know, you can be together but social distance, leveraging and, and realizing other parents in the community also are struggling with the same thing. And so now what we do is sharing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, three families sharing the duties. Each parent has to take the turn every day to do the parent duties. And so really connecting with the community in a way that COVID has highlighted that is necessary for us, um, which probably ought to have been done much earlier uh, without having to, you know, needing this challenge to, to, to help us realize that nevertheless now has highlighted that delegation doesn't just mean in your work or in your business. It can also mean activities from at home, family related, yeah. children minding, you know, and we save a lot of money that way too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, way back in the day, you know, a generation ago, that's how moms helped each other out. How that's how moms were able to to get certain things done is they'd I'll watch your kids with mine on this day and you'll watch my kids with yours on you know, the next day or something and there was I I feel like there was more of that happening a generation or so ago, even, well, even when my kids were, were young, I did that often with other moms. My kids are all grown and and gone. And most uh, three of them have kids of their own now, but I don't feel like it happens or maybe I'm just not seeing it, but I don't feel like it happens as much. And so I think that's great. A great tool. You mentioned also that you use Google calendar. Do you have shared calendars with other people on your team or, or in your household? Yeah. So yes, Google calendar is a huge thing. A lot of the work that I do is like I said, scheduling appointments with my clients, right? So one of the things, Calendly is something that I would highly Mm. recommend to people. Calendly and and there's other tools like that where you set up your calendar the way you, you know, where you're available and then people choose the dates and choose the time in which you, um, you know, you can meet. So there's no, a lot of back and forth and back and forth and things like that. But yeah, sharing of Google calendars between um, people on my team for sure has been a real help. And also Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Like there's tools within Google Drive that you can use, like Google Sheets. I don't have any full-time employees, but I have a lot of part-time contractors that I work with that comprises my virtual team. And so that's a methodology that we use is within um, Google Sheets. To, here's what we're up to. And depending on who it is, like now I delegate my outreach, again, leveraging time, right? Delegating my outreach so that I'm not having to do everything myself. And then being able to keep track of, who, who's been outreached and, and all through Google Drive, all through Google Sheets um, uh, and Google Docs and things like that, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's a great set of tools, especially if you have other people you want to be able to collaborate with, uh, you know, in right. managing that stuff. I want to talk a little bit about public speaking. We touched on it kind of at the beginning, 
But as I said, one of the reasons I was really excited to talk with you is because of your expertise in this area. Uh, I've heard it said, you know, there's this sort of thing that goes around that, that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. And so it's a big deal for a lot of people. Yet being willing to speak in public, whether that means on a platform to a group or just speaking up in a business meeting or in your own household uh, or out in the public square, so to speak. I think that skill is so important. And I'd like to know your thoughts on that. Do you think that this is an important skill for women to develop, whether they want to speak to large crowds or not? The way I would define public speaking is it's not, you know, when I ask people, what do you think of public speaking? There's this image of someone speaking on this big stage with too many people in the audience, right? And that's certainly one format of public speaking, but there are actually many forms of public speaking, even if it's one-to-one in a conference room with your boss Mm -hmm. or in an interview situation, right? I mean, how how many people have had um, an experience when they're being interviewed for a job and there is a panelist of people that interview them. You know, you know, it's not just one person. So that's a format of public speaking. And then now, especially with the whole COVID lockdown, there's a lot of virtual Zoom meetings. There's a lot of, you know, conference meetings that are happening through Zoom. And that is also a format of public speaking, right? There's many, many forms of public speaking. And you're right. Many people struggle with being able to feel comfortable on the platform. And no matter what that platform is, and being able to speak. So here's what I, I say. You heard it from the beginning how I struggled with that at the beginning of my career. I couldn't speak up. I was too self-conscious. And then going to becoming second in the world in the world championship. And now having done what I've what I'm doing, public speaking, teaching public speaking for the last 15 years, reverse engineering that process and recognizing that there's more to speaking than just the mechanics of speaking, right? Mm. The way I teach it is the public speaking jigsaw puzzle, and this comes out directly from my book. If you think of it as a square with two lines going across like four quadrants Mm -hmm. and then a circle in the middle, the five pieces are what I call the components of public speaking. So let's go through the left side of the public speaking jigsaw puzzle, which I call the mechanics of speaking. So in the upper right quadrant, you have content. So what are you saying? Whether this is a one-minute share in a conference room meeting or like a one-hour formal presentation, it doesn't matter. It's the same. The content is what are you talking about? What is your topic? Uh, what is the structure? How are you, how are you um, structuring your, your talk? Is there a message? Are you using any stories? Are you using any case studies? Is it engaging? Does it have interactive components? Are you using PowerPoint? All of these things go into content. Okay. And then in the bottom right quadrant, we have delivery. Delivery meaning what is your delivery style, right? Everybody has a different delivery style, right? So how do you use your voice? There's different elements within voice, like volume, pitch, rate, and then your facial expression. That's part of it too, right? Especially now in Zoom, I have people, clients come to me now that are extra needing help in speaking because they are speaking on Zoom, Mm -hmm. because they can see their own face. Because they're extra self-conscious, because they can see their own face, right? So those are kinds of the delivery components. Now, you know, you're, you're reduced to this box on a screen. So now how do you bring, bring out your energy? How do you bring out the facial expression? How about the gestures? All of that. So that's a part of delivery. And there's a lot more than that. 
But traditionally, the way public speaking is taught, that's mostly what they focus on, content mm-hmm. delivery, content delivery. And when I started teaching it all those years ago, I also taught it in that same manner. But what I discovered was people were still nervous. Mm-hmm. When they're coming to speak, they were still nervous. They were still self-conscious. So there was another element that wasn't being addressed in traditional public speaking teaching. And so what I did was I reverse engineered my own process and uncovered this new teaching way of teaching it, which includes the, the other half of the public speaking jigsaw puzzle, which I call the inner world, the mm-hmm. inner world of the speaker. So these are comprised of your conscious thoughts i.e. the thoughts you have and you know you're having, and then the blind spots, which are thoughts you have that you don't realize you're having. Mm. Okay, And the blind spot quadrant is my favorite quadrant to work with with my clients because it's the uncovering the layers of the onion that ultimately leads to you know you being aware of those little voices. I call them the little gremlin voices in your head, which are mostly negative because it's automatic. We're hardwired that way as human beings to keep us survival, to keep us mm-hmm. alive, you have to have those negative thoughts that come up and go, are you sure you want to do this? What are people going to think of you? You know, you mentioned it yourself when you asked this question. You said uh, that people you know, are afraid of public speaking more than dying. And the way I address it in the book is, have you ever heard, and I'll ask you and your listeners this question right now, have you ever heard how public speaking is people's number one fear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah, right. And so what I say is that is a myth. People's number one fear is not public speaking. Guess what it is? It's public judgment. Oh, yes. Okay. It's not the speaking part. It's the fear of other people's judgments of them. Hence the self-consciousness. Yeah. And that's the realm, what I talk about, about blind spots and helping other people uncover You'd be surprised how many well-achieved, well-accomplished clients that I have that still feel like they don't belong on the stage, that still feel like an imposter when they speak, still feel like, well, I don't know enough about this. Who am I to be speaking? I'm not qualified. There's people more qualified than me. All these unconscious thoughts that are happening that is not only preventing you from speaking up, but holding out on us because we're not getting your brilliance mm. because that is becomes a barrier that you're not crossing. So we're not getting the benefit of your value. We're not getting the full benefit of your gift when you share, when you open your mouth to articulate. We're not getting that because there's this divide, which is your own internal critic. That's why my book's called, you know, the subtitle is Tell Your Inner Critic to Shut Up and the Real You to Speak Up which begs the question, well, if the inner critic is not the real me, then who is? Mm. Well, that that's the question I want you to ponder. Yeah. That's, Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's so good. I love uh, that whole concept. I know I struggle with that inner critic. Every time I sit down to record a podcast episode, every time I speak at a retreat or a, an event or something, there's those voices. And I, I was watching a video on your website where you were sort of talking, somebody asked you, is there like one big thing that you see across the board and your answer? And I'm paraphrasing, but was, and I encourage listeners to go to, to Mary's website and, and look at some of the things that she said, but you, your answer was basically, it's the thoughts that are going on in our head, because what I think what you were saying is 
when we are speaking to someone else, there's more being communicated than just the words coming out of our mouth. Whatever's going on in our head is coming through as well. And a lot of times those aren't going to be those negative thoughts, aren't they? Those, what is she thinking of what I'm saying here? Do they think I'm an idiot for what I just said? How do I look? That judgment, that really resonated with me, that it's not the speaking, it's the judgment of the other people. And there's so much, we could go so much longer, but I don't think we want this to be a two-hour podcast episode. So maybe someday you'll have to come back and talk more about this. But in the meantime, I do encourage everybody in the the Productive Woman community to check out Mary's website. And we'll, we'll give you that link here in a minute. And it'll all be in the show notes for this episode. I have a download, which is a summary of how to bypass your inner critic. And I use those words very intentionally, bypass. It's not about conquering. It's not about stepping on or getting rid of or, you know, having an inner criticectomy because I don't even know if that's possible as a human being. It adapts as we grow. So it's really about bypassing. It's about how to slow, you know, those boulders that are in our way. How do we slow around it like water? How do we slow around it not getting rid of the boulder? So I highly encourage people to download that cheat sheet so that they can uh, have some tips on how to bypass the inner critic. Absolutely. And we'll have the link to that in the show notes uh, because I think that's something a lot of us could benefit from, whether whether we ever want to get up on a platform and speak to a crowd of, of thousands or whether we want to be able to communicate what we need and want or what we're thinking to the people closest to us or you know, these days there, there are opportunities, maybe there's something going on in your community and you want to attend a city council meeting and speak up about something that's important to you. Any of those sorts of things. Uh, I think that these tools that you offer will be very, very helpful before we go. We've talked about some of your routine, the way you've got these systems in place. It's obvious to me that you've you know been very intentional about ordering your days and ordering your life. But despite that, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? I'd love to say never. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, of course, you know, like anyone else, I'm not exempt that. In fact, there's a, there's a term that one of my mentors uses. It's called being in the swamp. So being in the swamp means like you're in quicksand. You know, no matter what you do, how you struggle, it feels like you're sinking more and more and more. Mm. And there's a couple of tools that when, I, when that happens to me that I use and a couple of outlets. So I feel like one of them is the physical outlet, right? Because often when we're struggling, it's in our minds and it's emotional. Our thoughts lead to an emotion, which then leads back to the thought and then it becomes this vicious cycle that we can't escape. But in those moments, you can tap. If you think of a triangle, an equilateral triangle with three equal sides, the way I think about it that comprises us, there's the, thought, there's the mental, there's the emotional side, and then the third side of the triangle is the physical side. So if you can't escape that mental, emotional quicksand, the third, you're going to leverage that third side of the triangle, which is the physical. Go for a walk. For me, I love to dance. I love to do my karate. I love to, you know, whatever it is that's physical that's going to get you out of your head. Mm, what yeah. my TEDx talk is about, getting out of your head. Because I, would you, would you agree with me that majority of the things that we deal with, it's because we're too in our head. Yeah. Okay? We can't escape that vicious cycle. 
So tap into the physical is the first tip that I would have. And then secondly, I like to verbally process because this is just the nature of how I am. In those moods when I am wanting to verbally process, I will tap into a good friend of mine or a mentor of mine and have that, uh, let it out, verbalize what I'm feeling, verbalize what my struggles are. And often just having that sounding board who's present, again, going back to being present, mm-hmm. who's in the moment and not in their head, just listening is a huge outlet. And then it's off my chest. And then it gives me clarity, right? Because after all, Clarity is creates confidence. <laughs> Clarity creates confidence. Okay, that's a, that's a phrase I like to use. And then in those moments where I can't reach somebody to have that conversation with, to have a sounding board, I will journal, 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 journal. Write, 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 write down all of my thoughts, all of those crazy thoughts um, onto paper. Because once it's on paper, it's out of your head. Again, mm-hmm. it's about getting out of your head. Because it's extra tricky. Those thoughts that are swimming around crazy thoughts, it's invisible. Yeah. That's why you got to write them down. Once you write them down, it becomes visible. And then you can start to, your, your, your amygdala, your survival mind can start to quieten down. And then your prefrontal cortex, the analytical mind can now come back online. Your rational mind can come back online and go, oh my God, look at those crazy thoughts I just wrote down. I didn't realize they were swimming around in my head. So now they become the visible and once it's visible, it becomes tangible. And once it's tangible, it's that much easier to deal with than swimming around in your own thoughts. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. That's so important to get things out of our head and where we can look at them. And a lot of times, once we can see them, it's like, well, that's not as bad as I thought it was. Okay, I can do this about that. And I can do this about that. Okay, I've got a plan now. And you're absolutely right. It lets it lets our thinking brain step in and, and sort of tell the amygdala, okay, you can, thank you. I understand you're trying to keep me alive here. We're safe. There's no saber tooth tigers on this piece of paper. We're good to go. And so you can, I've got it from here. So I love that. Mary, what is on the horizon for you? What do you have coming up, either professionally or personally, that you're looking forward to, excited about, that you can share? So what I do is I run multi-day events, Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of workshops, and I have a lot of webinars, and I have a what I call Shine Mentorship Program, which is a three-month program where people who really want to improve their communication skills and public speaking skills can be a part of that. And with the whole COVID situation, I always say for every challenge, there's an opportunity Mm -hmm. has revealed the opportunities of really increasing and leveraging. Again, going back to that word leveraging the online world. Mm -hmm. I have that more people that I can communicate with from all around the country, all around the world, virtually, which I may not have realized that there's, you know, this, this medium leveraging it as much because previously it was all done in person, right? So now it's like I do combinations. I do online workshops, multi-day events, hybrid events. I just ran a couple of days ago. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I just ran a hybrid event. It was my first hybrid two-day boot camp, which means that people can log in through Zoom as well as be in person and have socially distanced in a large room. So, you know, I'm always looking for different platforms to impact more people mm-hmm. because I feel like no matter, you know, as we talked about earlier, no matter what form of speaking, you are the common denominator. 
Mm-hmm. So really what we want to work on is I don't believe anyone is, is broken or needs fixing. It's really about we all have gifts in the world. Everyone listening to this, I know, have unique gifts within them. It's really about looking at what's getting in the way of you sharing those gifts with others and you shining, shining your bright light and you know, ha- having a joyful, meaningful life, which to me, to me is having a meaningful work and meaningful relationships. Yeah. And ultimately, what everyone is seeking, I believe, is inner peace yeah. Yeah. and fulfillment. And so that's what I got going on. There's so much there that sounds so interesting. Where can people connect with you online if they want to find more of what you're doing, find out about the events, check out your book, those sorts of things? Where's the best place for people to find you and to connect with you? I would say in my uh, in the show notes, like I said, I'm going to have you put out there the downloading the inner critic. But my website is magneticpodium.com, magneticpodium, which is all one word, dot com, and from there um, we can you can find what I'm doing. Excellent, and yes, we will have links to all that in the show notes, so folks can check you out if they've got questions, want to learn more about what you're up to. Uh, that's the place to go. Mary, this has been so great. Uh, Before we go, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or a little encouragement uh, in getting things done and and making a life that matters? What would you say to her? I'm going to say something which is left out. Sounds like it's from left field. It's have fun. Don't take yourself so seriously (laughs) (laughs) because I used to be like that. Take myself so seriously. Enjoy the process. Really, really enjoy the process of your own blossoming. Yeah. Great advice for all of us to take to heart. Thank you so much, Mary. This This has been great. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I am so grateful to Mary for taking the time to share with us her thoughts on how she's making a life that matters and for the great ideas and suggestions that she offered for the rest of us. Don't forget to visit the show notes for the link to download her bypass your inner critic cheat sheet, especially if you want to or need to speak in public in any kind of scenario. Uh, Mary offers a lot of great advice and tips for helping us do that and sort of getting past that uh, imposter syndrome that affects a lot of us when we speak publicly. Again, I, I really enjoyed talking to her, but I'd love to know what you think. Do you have any questions for Mary or for me or any comments on the things we talked about? You can share those in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 314, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or even in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, if you are a member of that group. If you would rather share your thoughts with me privately, I'd love to hear them. You can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. 
Don't forget our sponsor, Woven. If you'd like to make better use of your calendar, you'll want to check out Woven. You can try it out for free and see how it works for you simply by going to woven.com slash podcast slash TPW. And there'll be links for that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much to Woven for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you again for spending this time with me and with Mary. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile and you found something in it that's helpful or encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.